So I thought I was going to... I like to push myself and give talks on subjects that I've never given talks on over the years. It helps uh, 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 it's a good challenge. And I realized uh, through somebody's suggestion that uh, came in by the mail that I had never given a talk on boredom. You were like, oh shit. Why didn't I? Why couldn't I go on to another night? But actually, um, it's, uh, it's actually, uh, the more we investigate it, a really, really kind of fascinating topic from another, a number of perspectives, including the, um, the perspective that Buddhist practice brings to it. Um, there's a saying that you can't be a Buddhist if you can't be bored. And that comes from... Uh, if you've ever done a retreat, there's times when we uh, are sitting long sits. Obviously, it's an experience that arises. Um, it's a very familiar state of mind, yet it's one that um, we're very uncomfortable with. Culturally, it's very shunned. And... Uh, it's synonymous with an underlying feeling of restlessness and a sense of uh, emptiness or lack. And we'll talk about that. But interestingly, although you'd think that the concept of boredom would be one of the... Uh, because it's something that we're all familiar with, you, one might think that it's a, a concept that has been in existence for millennia and that the spiritual texts would have all this stuff on boredom and that uh, during the Middle Ages must have been a really fucking boring period of time. <laughs> and so we like to... Uh, and yet it comes as a surprise that the very first time the word was used Yeah. Not an easy topic to convey in this room, but uh, the first time it was used is actually by Dickens in uh, the 1850s. And there's no concept or word that even comes close to approximating the idea of boredom uh, before that time. The, for the French, it's ennui, which is also a modern word. And um, it's interesting, theorists tend to believe that the entire experience of boredom arose because of uh, a surplus of free time that happened when uh, uh, there became a class of people who needed to work less, who profited more of the labor of the uh, working class, but actually it turns out that if you look at the free time that people have had throughout the course of history, actually um, free time was in abundance in the Middle Ages and in uh, earlier times. There actually was uh, the peasant of the Middle Ages had far more free time than we have. 
Uh, we actually, it turns out, work on average more than peasants did. Um, <laughs> make what you will of that. Uh, actually, what gave birth to boredom was the first appearance of distractions when newspapers, magazines, uh, the disposable items that diverted people arose was almost arose at the exact same time that the concept of boredom arises. And that's really actually not surprising because the Buddha taught that the moment we start chasing something, we create its exact opposite. When we chase uh, happiness, we give birth to feelings of sadness. The more we chase um, uh, feelings of security in the world, the more we create feelings of insecurity. And the more we chase distractions and stimuli and constant uh, stuff to pull us out of our inner experience. The more we chase that, the more we become aware of the times when it's not present. Interestingly, too, it locks us into what's known in uh, science as the dopamine addiction cycle, the exact same cycle that creates drug addiction and chemical <coughs> addiction. What happens when we look at our, we look at this thing, and we start checking our uh, texts, our emails, our Facebook, is that we become addicted to the subtle release of dopamine that makes us feel good. It gives us an artificial sense of being connected and safe and secure and stimulated. All of the sensations of stimulation are attached to this reward system, which is attached to the sense of being connected to the world. And so these gizmos that we carry around play into this very fundamental, ingrained sense in the mind that we're never, ever secure unless we constantly find something that makes us feel connected. Um, Whereas in earlier times, people would seek that connection through church or spiritual practice or um, social interactions. We increasingly seek it through novelty mediated by things, devices, where there's no other person present. So... Um, it creates this cycle of constantly needing something new, something stimulating, something exciting. And when it's not present, we experience just the baseline state of existence as uncomfortable. If you think about that, that's kind of scary. Um, there's an old, one of the sort of, prof sometimes in Buddhist practice, something that's pretty obvious can be pretty amazing to you at times. You know, you have one of those epiphanies and you tell it to other people and it's, you know, you know, you got to stay present and enjoy life as it is. And people are like, 
<laughs> but uh, one of the things that totally blew my mind decades ago, I was uh, a Buddhist teacher I was studying with said that, you know, there's three underlying feelings that the Buddha talked about. There's discomfort, which is dukkha. There's comfort, which is sukkha. But in between those is what the Buddha called neither comfort nor discomfort. It's just a... Eh, eh. So, if you're in pain and you move from pain and discomfort to just neutral, what does that feel like? That feels great, right? You don't believe me, but it really does. <laughs> I once had a... Uh, a kidney stun, and believe me, when that fucker passed, <laughs> just getting back to normal day-to-day -day life felt utterly fantastic. I was like, I was in love. There's a, there was like a, there's a movie with Woody Allen where he thinks he's got, in his words, a tumor the size of a basketball in his head, and he finds out that there's nothing there, and he does this dance across the same street that a moment earlier looked ugly and horrifying to him simply because normal life when you come from pain and discomfort feels terrific. But what happens to normal life when you come from pleasure and distraction? It feels fucking boring. It's like, where's my fun? Where's my text? Where's the party? Where is the action? What the fuck happened? This was supposed to be stimulating. What the hell? And then suddenly there's this underlying... We relate to our underlying condition aversively. It's no longer pleasurable just to be alive. Being becomes something that we have to escape from. It's no longer something that we can ease into. So, the more we seek the new and the intense, the more we create the felt sense that there's something wrong when there's not anything new and stimulating and flashy and bright and distracting. Um, the Buddha said that goal of our practice, our spiritual practice, he called it liberation. Liberation from the addictive cycle, liberation from uh, the cycle of samsara, constantly chasing this idea that happiness is outside of ourselves, that happiness is in the future, that there's something missing, that I can't be happy right now. To be free is not to be chained or to be tied to anything. And yet today, more and more, we're tying ourselves to um, distractions, to these little, sim these little messages that give us the illusion that we're connected to other people, that we're connected to the world, that we're, uh, that something's happening, that something new and special is happening. 
And so we become less and less able to relax and find ease amidst so much of what life is. The, the older you get, trust me with this, the less exciting new and shiny gizmos become. Eventually it becomes uh, very hard to get that excited. And if we've developed this dependence upon the new, the novel, the stimulating, the diverting, we're setting ourselves up for increasing times in life when we'll be dissatisfied. So the Buddhist practice is really to, with all discomfort, is to turn towards it, to investigate, to look beneath, to unfold, to unparse, to, you know, just really take things apart and examine what's present. So, the more we take apart boredom, the more actually interesting it becomes. Um, it's comprised largely of two elements. The first is feelings, somatic experience, something that we don't like to feel, an underlying agitation or an underlying sense of vulnerability. And when we really look at that, we begin to if we don't allow ourselves to settle on it and give it space, if every time that feeling of boredom arises, which is just this, subtle, this slight discomfort, this edginess or this kind of anxiousness, if we jump away from it, it becomes less and less tolerable over time. But the more we just create a space and begin to just see what's really there, it's just a bunch of tingling and a bunch of energy in the body. And actually the sensations, the physical qualities of boredom can be very easily alleviated. When you feel bored, it might feel like it's, you know, a big, in our culture, it's like a big failure, right? When people ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing, Joe? Busy? Yeah, yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> Everything good? Yeah, I'm busy. I'm running around. I got things going on. It's, you know, never a moment's rest. You got to keep the hustle going. Nobody actually talks like that. That's just the voice I'm using, but you get the idea. If somebody says, how's it going? And you go, hmm, you're bored. You know, where's my garlic? You know, holy shit, stay away from me. You're failing. If you're bored, it means, you know, something's terribly wrong. You've done something wrong. You've not, you've not filled your life with enough fizzle and distractions and, and motivations and, and things to do. You're not busy enough. But really, this thing that we're running from, and it's also, by the way, it's funny. If you look up boredom, it's blamed for everything these days. Uh, it's blamed for uh, addiction, teen violence. They don't have enough things to do. Boredom, the boredom of the stay-at-home parent, the boredom of, you know, uh, so we really abhor it culturally, and we don't like to simply sit with it and investigate it, but when we unpack it, it's just a little 
bunch of sensations that are there that are really asking for our attention. An underlying state often of vulnerability or a lack of being able to relax. And these sensations, the more we attend to them and we give them space, not only can we live with them and develop tolerance, which creates so much greater sense of ease in life, but um, we actually can begin to attend to some really deep stuff that's, that's hidden beneath those feelings. Sometimes the feelings of, of boredom are actually holding a very old feeling from childhood of never really been, of never having been feeling safe. So sometimes boredom will arise uh, when we're with other people. Or sometimes it will arise when we're alone, boredom, because we didn't feel safe as children when we were disconnected. We never felt truly loved and protected. And so when we feel this boredom as it manifests itself in the, in the belly, in the, the anxiousness in the chest, in the shoulders, and the, the, in the forehead, we can begin to attend to these very old feelings that have actually just become baseline life for us. Baseline life is this underlying feeling sometimes of not really feeling secure, not really feeling protected, not really feeling loved and accepted or wanted by the world. And all these messages have been, and these feeling states have been implanted in us very, very early in life. But when we go into the feelings of boredom, we can begin to finally give these feelings of I'm not safe as they manifest itself just in our normal day-to-day uh, life, they, we can begin to attend to them. When we run away from boredom, we are running away from ourselves. We're running away from the to our mind on idle. You know, that's how mechanics check an engine. I'm full of shit. I don't know how they check an engine, but I'm going <laughs> to say that this is how they check an engine. By putting the engine on idle and seeing how it runs. It's a way to investigate. I, that's probably not true, but pretend it is. So, <laughs> so boy, am I at my desk. But, you know, you, you, you teach this stuff. You're desperate for, for metaphors. So, anyway, one way to, one way to figure out how the, the mind's doing is to see how it runs on aisle. Oh, my God. All right, let's... <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there's another part of the Buddha called, like, the key second part of investigating, uh, is investigating, Dhamma Vikaya is investigating not only the feelings, but all the stories and the reactions that we have when we're bored. When we're feeling bored, there's this sense of <gasps> this reaction to it. There's something wrong. And then feeling that reaction, then the mind starts throwing up all these thoughts and these stories about boredom. Some of the stories I've heard over the years are really actually kind of interesting. Um, 
one of the things you hear in 12-step programs is that people fear that if they become healed and they recover, that their identity will completely go away. That there'll be no... That without their addiction, without the craving, without the, without the constant rushing around in life, there's nothing beneath us. So there's this under... There can be this feeling or this idea that, you know that there's nothing giving us any core purpose or identity, that we're empty. And of course, that's one of the things that the Buddha did uncover, that in essence there is to a certain degree an emptiness there, once you let go of all the, the stuff. The, the self, our identity, arises only when there's stimuli, and we have to incorporate the new stimuli. We go into the storytelling mode about what we think about this new thing and why this new thing is important. But the more we investigate an absence of newness and just go into the silence or go into life as it is, we begin to find that that whole self-process of identity building and telling stories about ourselves begins to fall away. But instead of being frightening, it actually is really pleasurable this maintaining of a story of who I am and having it to constantly be filled with new stimuli is not inherently peaceful. It's actually a chore that keeps us moving around and never settling. Um, Another big illusion that we investigate and see is that um, there's this idea that if we're bored, it's a problem with the world that it's the other people that um, that we're not surrounded by enough good things or good people. There's an old saying that goes, um, uh, uh, a gossip talks about other people, a bore talks about himself, but a fascinating person person talks about you. <laughs> um, obviously, when we really turn towards what's happening within and investigate the mind and investigate the feelings that are beneath it, we'll find that really, rather than it being a problem with the world, It's just a problem with the way we relate to certain people and certain experiences. Certain people, when they appear, we just immediately become sluggish. We stop losing our interest. We stop putting an effort into finding uh, or focusing or opening. We begin to push away. In meditation, I can see people that are just brimming with life as they're talking about themselves right before the meditation. And then we go into the meditation and immediately... (laughs) Probably my fault, too, but uh, occasionally there'll be somebody that immediately falls asleep. And that's a form of aversion to this... um, to the... We're basically turning off. We just don't want to give interest anymore. And we find the more that we work with it, 
the more we can actually find really fascinating life in everything. It's an illusion we've created. We determine what's boring and what's not boring depending upon the level of interest and investigation we bring to life, not anything inherently in the stuff that we experience in life. Quentin Crisp said, um, uncovering facts doesn't create freedom, but rather the constant repetition of them is what liberates us. Tolerance arises not from enlightenment, but from being bored. What that means is, the more we can be with uh, everything and not, and not give up, and not to turn off and not basically stop investigating and opening to life, the more we find liberation and freedom, the more we can find a sense of finally letting go, that what we've been looking for all our life, the permission to unwind, comes about the more we turn our investigative mind towards everything and really focus in on it. It's interesting that the probably the philosophers that are closest resemble the Buddha are the, were the existentialists. And they all were really fascinated with relating to ennui and boredom. And if you read either Kierkegaard or Camus, they found heroic figures in Sisyphus the, the Greek figure that was destined to push the boulder up the hill and then it would roll back down. And according to them, there was great liberation there because rather than constantly chasing the new, the stimulating, the novel, Sisyphus was given the greatest opportunity rather than punishment. He was given the opportunity to let go of wanting life to be different than it is, wanting to escape the old age, the sickness, the death, the frustrations, the sadnesses, the loneliness, the stuff that is life. And he was put into a unique position where he could confront the very baseline of his existence. And Camus said that the moment we learn to open and accept that, that's when we find our liberation our true lasting happiness. Rather than needing constantly to find something to lift us out of our feeling of vulnerability, our feelings of restlessness, our feelings of not being good enough, we actually can turn to face that which we've not given attention, those core underlying feelings that are requiring or asking for love, and we can really open to that which most desperately needs our attention. And so, ironically, as it seems, the threshold or the portal to the greatest wisdom and happiness very often can be where we least expect it in those times in life where we feel restless, anxious, and bored. So I hope there's something worthwhile on that. I thank you for uh, 
listening to quite possibly the most boring talk I've ever given. 